Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. If you're a Disney Plus subscriber and you're watching The Mandalorian, Jack and I have a podcast for you. Every week, we'll discuss the latest episode of The Mandalorian and talk about other great content and maybe some not-so-great content on Disney Plus as well. As two lifelong Star Wars fans, we have a ton of fun geeking out over all the little details of the show, and we want you to join us every Monday. So search for Disney Plus Reviews. That's Disney P-L-U-S Reviews. Hey, Phil, how about that, Baby Yoda? Baby Yoda says, What's the podcast? Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that's just trying to keep the damage to a minimum, it's Sifpa. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly. We're streaming live most weekends or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Woo! I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and there's a long dormant piece of him that so very badly wants out. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. Ahoy! Each week we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. He still hasn't moved to Paris for some reason. It's John Negroni. Woohoo! <laughs> you can just call me nobody. <laughs> Uh, John, good to have you back, man. Um, I feel like it's good that we're talking about nobody this week uh, because you are not aware of this, and there's no reason to make you aware of this other than I want to. But I feel like Bob Odenkirk for the last uh, 10 minutes of my life, except technology <laughs> or the bad guys punching me in the face. Uh, but we made it here, and we are recording a new Sif Pop for this week, and so glad uh, that all of you have joined us, whether it be live on the video or later in your podcast feed. Uh, John, how you been, man? It's been a minute. I've been okay. Yeah, it's it's been a little while since we talked, and and I 
I just feel like we're we're at the tail end of life getting back to normal, but it's like that transition period, you know. It's like it feels like the middle school of years, you know. Just right. like, I just want to be in high school. I don't I don't want to what can I grow up already? And yeah, that's that's about where I'm at. Yeah, it is uh it is definitely right in that that no man's land transition time where it's like I think I can I th- I I think the new normal's about here and but it, you don't want to like cross your fingers too hard because uh, you don't want to break your fingers, but um but yeah, no, it's it's definitely good to back uh, have you back, Andrew. How are you today? How are things going for you? Oh, uh, I just finished watching The Father about a minute before we did the show. <laughs> oh, so I'm uh, I'm trying to pull myself together. <laughs> not to give you a not to give you a hint of my feelings on the movie. But, that is uh, yeah. <laughs> Is, yeah, it's two. It's two very uh, traumatic movies today, but in very different ways. Uh, yeah. You know, one is in, in in universe violence, and the other is uh, in in just kind of what it means to be human. So we'll get to the, all those places. Yeah. Uh, we got a lot of other fun stuff. We're of course going to do. We've got our buried treasure that we will get to. We've got a best ever challenge. Uh, one person army movies uh, this week. Uh, that should be a lot of fun, and uh, we will talk about the father as well. But we're going to kick it off with a little bit of nobody. So they took maybe twenty bucks and an old watch, Mister Madsen. Did you even take a swing? No. Could have taken her, Dad. Heard you had some excitement last night. I wish they'd have picked my place, you know. Why didn't you take him out? I was just trying to keep the damage to a minimum. Yeah, how's that working out for you? You okay? Because you don't look okay. Hutch Manziel, an underestimated and overlooked dad and husband, taking life's indignities on the chin and never pushing back. A nobody. When two thieves break into a suburban home one night, Hutch declines to defend himself or his family, hoping to prevent serious violence. His teenage son, Blake, is disappointed in him and his wife, Becca, seems to pull only further away. The aftermath of the incident strikes a match to Hutch's long-simmering rage, triggering dormant instincts and propelling him on a brutal path. Uh, Bob Odenkirk in Nobody doing something. I'm trying to think if we've ever seen him do anything really like this before. Um, I don't think so. I think he's kind of stepping out into new territory here. Uh, there's elements of Saul Goodman here, um, but definitely not in the response area, at least that we've seen so far uh, in that show. What did you guys think about Nobody? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Uh, Andrew, your thoughts first. I am going to go with high side of okay. Okay. Close to liked it. Close to liked it. Nice. John? Oh, I'm going to say loved it. Nice. Plain and simple. I love that. I love a nice, big, strong, loved it. Uh, I'm high side of liked it. Uh, So uh, not quite as exuberant as uh, John appears to be, and maybe a little more than you, Andrew. Um, Probably, yeah. But but yeah, I really enjoyed enjoyed this movie. John, why don't you start off with uh, your thoughts? What are some of uh, of your overall thoughts on the movie since you loved it so much? I, I went into it not knowing anything about it, first of all, which... I, I the only the first time I'd really heard of this was this was kind of like looking at the schedule for the year a bit and I saw oh Bob Odenkirk is in something it didn't really pay in mind I didn't notice that Derek Colstead the uh, creator of John Wick that franchise was the screenwriter I didn't know that 
This was uh, produced by David Leach. All, all I knew was that it was like a, maybe some kind of action movie. I didn't watch the trailer or anything. And all of a sudden I start seeing like uh, the reviews coming out. And then I was like, okay, cool. So I'm going to check this out. And uh, I did. And I hope people go into it as fresh as they can without not knowing a lot. Because if you read like the notes I was taking during this movie, it is so funny. The progression of me (laughs) just trying to be like, wait, wait, what? Like, what? Why is that? What what are you doing there? Put that down. Right. (laughs) And yeah, I think I think this is definitely the kind of movie that I got really caught up in. in in the action of it. And I just started like overlooking all of the little nitpicks that I have for movies like this. Obviously I think the big one is people are going to say it's derivative of John wick and it absolutely is. It's, it's trying to do the John wick thing, but I just, I just got such a kick out of all the like little, little flares of story they put in there. And I just love Bob Odenkirk in this. He, I did not expect it. Like I know he's he like got in shape for this. I'm like so oh, yeah. impressed with his his regiment. He must have gone through because yeah. I I think this movie is so good at showcasing how punches hurt and kind of like selling this idea to you. It does kind of get into weird territory toward the end. It starts to get a little bit Looney Tunes, but they make up for it. They make it so exciting that. I, I didn't care, and so I I just came away from it being thoroughly satisfied. I already want to see it again. I I want I want to respond to just one part of what you said because there is the instinct to say ah, it's John Wick. You know, uh, they're trying to do John Wick again, and I uh, can we stop pretending like John Wick was the first you know a man against right. everyone movie? Like you know, there's there's more Rambo here than there is John Wick in many ways. <sighs> Um, so yeah, no, 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 totally. I, there, there's much more, let's just say home alone here than there is John Wick. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's an element of booby trap here that wasn't necessarily the John Wick thing. I I just think it's, it's interesting. These kind of movies have existed for a long time. Yes, it is derivative. It's derivative of a bunch of stuff. Uh, but that's the same way that, uh, you know, edge of tomorrow's derivative of groundhog day. Like it's, it's a, it's kind of a genre. Um, so I, I don't put too much stock in that being a huge negative for this, for this movie. I'm going to push back on that because I think that there are, uh, a lot of specific, uh, traits that you see plot wise, thematically, or even just straight up copies of John Wick in this movie. Like, uh, it's difficult to talk about because like the specifics, the specificity of it all is in the realm of spoilers, but I was. It felt like they were trying to build the same world that you would see in John Wick. There's a uh, overarching theme of 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 enemies, I guess you could say. And yes, it's. Can I just say Russian enemy is kind of a cliche? <laughs> you know, sure, sure, yeah, yeah. You know the big the big bad Russians and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, there's there's a lot of stuff that I wish I could just start spatting off. I'm like, yeah, that's John Wick. But every single one of those things that we would say, yeah, that's John Wick or yeah, that's something else. I kept going back to it going, those other movies did it better. Mm. They did it better. I'm not saying that this isn't good. There's a couple fight scenes in this and I'm like, oh, I would just want to see that movie again just for that fight scene. But... At the same time, I'm like, yeah, but I've seen it done better in so many different things. And if your movie feels like it's trying to just copy 
everything else without trying to be original, I don't see how I can, you know, judge it on its own because it's trying to copy everything else. Yeah, I think we're going to agree to disagree on this. Uh, yeah. I I think there are some major differences in this movie, specifically to John Wick, um, in that it is not trying to do any kind of fantasy world building here. This is meant firmly to exist in our universe. And there is something even very visceral about the violence in this movie that is a little less stylized uh, than than something like uh, like John Wick is. In fact, part of this character is not just... Uh, in fact, I would... There's a part of this that is very much history of violence. I don't know if you remember history of uh, history of violence. Yeah, Viggo Mortensen. Yeah, Harris. yeah. And and there's there's a part of this where this character is. I, I get the feeling he is fighting the urge to always want to be part of this. He enjo- he not only enjoys you know where he goes in this movie. He enjoys like getting punched in the face. That is not something like I would necessarily say of some of these other examples that we're talking about. Um, you know, there's, there's just, there's something a little more, uh, boxer fighter mentality about, you know, what he's doing here. And yeah, he's a brawler. Yeah. He's a brawler. Yeah. There's definitely a brawler more, you know, more than a martial artist. He is a brawler. Um, so, so yeah, it was enough different for me that although, in fact, I think even on, on letterbox, when I did just the little mini review, I started it off by, you know, such and such meet such and such meet such and such meet such and such. Like, cause there's so many, there's so many things you can draw from what's going on here. Um, but I think it does become its own thing. I, I never felt like at the end, I, di- I didn't feel like, well, that was just a knockoff of this because it draws from a lot of different things. I think it kind of combines them into its own recipe, uh, in some ways yeah. that I like. That's so. how I feel too. Cause I, and that's what I was worried about. I was like, man, they're kind of doing some things here to, to sort of what Andrew you're saying, where they, they use a specific technique and we don't want to give it away, but like of building up a persona of like people being like, oh, don't mess with this persona. That's all I'll say. And that happens a few times. And I'm like, yeah, th- that does feel a lot like that what John Wick was kind of doing. But at the same time, this this whole movie explores this like a like violence as an addiction, mm-hmm. which I found really interesting. That was like the extra like salt on the meal that like pushes this for me because as it started, I was like, Oh my gosh, they're just doing this thing where he's like the schlubby, you know, mediocre guy who just, you know, it's playing into this power fantasy of like, you're only a real man if you do this and that. But then it like slowly turns a bit and it, it just gets more interesting. Like it gets a little there's a little bit more of a story behind that instead of this easy like wouldn't it be great if you could just, you know, fight club your way to feeling good about yourself. Instead, it, it actually becomes <laughs> like a, an action movie that's really, really thrilling. And that's that's why I responded to it as well as I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some other things uh, that we either liked or didn't like. Um, I guess we could start with, you know, the central central casting. Um, how do we feel about Odenkirk here? Does he can he do the Liam Neeson thing? Can he do the the Keanu Reeves thing? How did you guys feel about it? Yeah, he can definitely do it. And I think what he uh, he's different, kind of like what you're talking about. He's different from Keanu Reeves, and where Keanu Reeves, it, whenever we're doing talking about John Wick even in the matrix too, mm-hmm, but right. he has this ability to, uh, not quite on the same level of James Bond where he, he never gets hurt. Cause John Wick gets hurt. He gets hurt a lot, but it feels like Bob Odenkirk in this role is okay with getting hurt. Like you talked about earlier, mm-hmm. he's the brawler. And whenever he gets hurt, he wants, 
he wants you to like please start something i mm-hmm. dare you to start something I, yeah. I i need this right now kind of that fight club mentality like you were saying yeah um and he's different from liam neeson in the fact that he can run <laughs> so sure sure yeah. fair enough fair enough and it's uh i should say this about the fighting in this movie the stylization of the fighting it's not shaky cam like a the Bourne movies where you can't tell what's going on. You can tell what's going on, but it's also not like a big one shot like you would see in John Wick. It's something right in the middle. Like it, you get some really cool camera, like a fast pans and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, I, I liked it. So it was, it was pretty good. I shouldn't say pretty good. It was good. It was really good. The fighting. what do you think of uh, Odin Kirk, John? I liked Odin Kirk. I think what I like about him is the casting itself is part of the experience of watching the movie because a lot of people are going to recognize him from big breaking bad and they're not going to expect this from him. And that serves the story because you wouldn't expect this guy who, you know, he's like the put upon, they do this really great editing sequence in the beginning of the movie where you really are just getting like a slapdash montage of how routine his life is. And as this movie keeps going, you, you get, they peel back a little bit of that of like, well, why is his life like this? How did he get to this place? And it's just, you you wouldn't expect it from this guy. So it's, it's like the surprise of the casting fits so well into the surprise of this guy who actually like maybe had some tricks up his sleeve. And Odenkirk, yeah, he clearly like committed to this role and didn't pull any of his punches in that respect. I do think though, like the few times I've been on Sif Pop, it always seems to be for movies between Incredibles 2 and Soul about like middle-aged men who are feeling unfulfilled. <laughs> and Aaron's like, all right, what's Negroni up to? You know, that's right. <laughs> I don't, I don't that's know what right. that's about. <laughs> well, uh, you caught him. You if, caught him. If, you're, out of the bag. if you're Bob Odenkirk, John, uh, I'm Christopher Lloyd. Uh, <laughs> so just think, just think how that how that goes. Um, Does that make me Rizza? Sure, sure, Andrew, <laughs> you can be Rizza. That's fine. Um, I I did want to talk about Christopher Lloyd. This is a fun, a nice, uh, fun little appearance. From from Mr. Lloyd, I I really enjoy this and this movie. One of the things it does well, and, and his character makes me think of this, is it really understands how to play to the audience in a movie like this. You know, it really understands what is fun about this kind of movie. And the let's just say the the scene that that triggers our understanding of the Christopher Lloyd character is really fun. And it's just it, it it totally gets that stuff, and that's another one in the plus column for me. Um, is I really enjoyed that. Um, now, did the movie earn its you know final scene? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it earned it, but it still was fun. Does that make sense? I, I think so. I, I yeah. know what you're saying because that's where the Home Alone stuff happens, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, it, it's kind of what you're saying though. It's like it knows its audience kind of wants that. Right. And so it's like, well, here it is. We're we're making right. this for you. Don't you like it? And I'm like, <laughs> I I do. I guess you understand me. You get me. Yeah, exactly. Uh any other thoughts that you guys wanted uh, that are on the tip of your tongue? Uh these are this is my biggest negative with the movie is its inability to fully flesh out many aspects of this movie, whether it be world building, whether it be character, uh, not motivations, but character development and how they relate to each other, uh, especially how they relate to each other. There's a, uh, I'll just say the Rizza Lloyd, uh, Odenkirk trio. It 
it was so kind of just hinted at that I totally forgot about it later on in the movie, and I forgot like how are the how do these guys know each other? I, I don't remember. And then when the credits rolled, I was like, oh yeah, because I was like, there was there was moments of this movie like how does this person relate to this person, or how did this person? Uh, how did this person get to this point where they start acting this way towards uh, Odenkirk's character or, or stuff like that? There's so many unanswered questions, and it's not the type of unanswered questions like in... I keep going back to this example, and I don't mean to, but like in John Wick, in the first John Wick movie, there was a lot of seeds planted where you're like, ooh, this could develop into something cool. Whereas in this one, it feels a lot like uh, un unfully developed moments that don't really I could see if they ever do a sequel to this I don't see that these being moments that would sprout into something you know interesting is something that we should have found out in this movie because they're minimal enough to where they're not part of a greater world building but they're also integral to our character to a point where like you need to know this stuff now before a sequel because a lot of it I was just like why is this person acting this way towards Odenkirk. Why is this person? And it was just, that was what I considered the biggest mess of this movie. And that's what kept me from uh, leaning into liked it. I get that. Uh, it's definitely, it's definitely disinterested in world building. It's like, you know, it does some very minimal structural, give you the foundation you need to enjoy the show kind of world building, but it's not, it's not interested in what might happen beyond what we're seeing in the present right now. Um, this is not a movie that is that is going to do flashbacks. <laughs> like, it's just not interested. Yeah. It's not interested in flashbacks. It's not interested in relationships necessarily other than what you see on the screen in the moment. Um, and it wants you, I think it wants you to make assumptions based on how these characters interact and, and what's going on. So I, I, I can see how you would get there. I just, I definitely think it's intentional. I don't think it's like a mistake. Yeah. The movie, yeah. Like, oh I, no! You, you, like, I don't think like they intended to world build more than they did. No, I think it's very intentional what they're giving you on the screen as to whether or not that impacts your ability to enjoy it. I think that can be different for each person. And how many different title abbreviation or uh, uh, not abbreviations, but uh, different titles are you going to come up with for an assassin? You know, yeah. like Ben Affleck Auger. was the accountant, you know, you had Chiwetel Ejiofor was the operator or the operative, you know, like how many different mm -hmm. versions of that can you come up with before you're like, just say assassin, just say hitman. <laughs> you don't have to try and come up with a cool, different, right. you know, intriguing title to right. get me enticed, you know, it's like, no, mm -hmm. assassin. That's yes. all you need. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I like that it's called Nobody, and it's not the auditor, you know, or it's yeah. not the custodian. You know, it's not trying to do that. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, the custodian, because he, he cleans up messes, you know, <laughs> yeah. or something like that. You don't, need, you don't need some fancy halfway dad joke to convince me that this guy is, you know, this super awesome killing mm -hmm. machine, you know? Yeah. Or come up with a, a, the lawnmower, you know, because yeah. <laughs> or, you know, the weed eater or something like that. Just say killer or the assassin. It's getting ridiculous. The, the cafeteria worker. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah. The bus um, boy. <laughs> I was going to say, though, like, to, to your point, Andrew, I do think, though, that, like, and to the point that, like, it's intentional, I do think that they want your imagination to fill in the gaps, right? They they have this idea that's like if you just see the reaction of people 
seeing what they're seeing, then that's going to tell you it's going to be better for the audience because we don't have to come up with some world building explanation that's going to and they even make a joke about it in the movie where they're like every time he's trying to do backstory, you know, like a character just can't, you know, will just like die right in front of him. And like they do that multiple (laughs) times. That running gag was really fun. I like that a lot. But um, okay, this isn't what the example I'm about to give. It doesn't really give away anything to. Uh, the over theme. Well, of the can movie. we it's not can we also just can we also just say it's this is not a uh, like John said every movie is going to be better if you go in blank and you just kind of let the movie take you. But this is not a movie that you could really spoil that much. You kind of know where this is going, so yeah, you know, we're not too worried about that. But go ahead. That's fair. Uh, the example uh, is why is his wife so distant towards him? You know, like uh, that whole thing with the pillows on the bed and stuff like that. I'm like. What led to that moment? Because you're acting like it's something important. You know, you keep coming back to it. So tell me why. Why are these two characters like this? You know, it it, it doesn't, there's no resolution or actually any prologue to that great. moment. Okay, okay. Uh, tell me, what, what what am I missing? I, I don't want to be too specific because it, it it's another sort of surprise, not a surprise of the movie, but it is something you learn about this guy. But I think the point is that he has been living his life trying to be somebody he's not and trying to like shut down a certain aspect of him that like brings him some sort of weird fulfillment or and their distance has been that she just doesn't feel connected to the real him. And that he hasn't been able to balance the real him and the part of him that he wants to move on from because he talks about like, I tried the family life and I tried like you could definitely say that like it's kind of hokey in how it does all of that. But I, I don't know. I, th- I thought they covered that. Well, not, o- not only that, um, the movie in many ways is about them. Uh, it ends on basically that uh, I don't know how. I mean, I'm talking about the end of the movie, so technically a spoilership. Spoilers, but if you, if you remember the the last line of this movie, it is a moment between them, and a moment where she oh, is yeah. aware and into something that we may not have. Like there's there's a moment where like what they were missing the whole time was just an honest evaluation of each other and their relationship and. Um, so I, I do think the movie gives enough service to it for it to make sense. However, I do understand what you're saying, Andrew, and I and again I do think it's intentional. This this movie is just not interested in playing you the, their you know their wedding video, you know, so to speak. It's just not interested in going back there. It wants you to be able to figure this stuff out by what's happening in the now, and I think it gives you enough. I think it gives you enough. Release okay. the marriage counseling cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, the other thing I did want to say, uh, some really inventive, really inventive, uh, stuff that I hadn't seen before. Uh, there's an arson scene that I thought was absolutely gorgeous and I'd never really visualized anything like that. Um, and it just, this movie has those moments where it's like, you know, that's really fun to look at and also very clever of you to do something I hadn't seen done like that before. So... I did uh, enjoy not those. to do a not to do a pun, but I'm going to do a pun. Uh, the ignition of that arson scene you're talking yeah. about is what I was like. Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. Yeah, the way yeah. they did that. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. It's like um, so many of the action scenes are like music videos. Honestly, yeah, sure. And I went back and forth a couple times where it was like it almost went into the fantasy land of music videos, and 
it, it started to feel like a different kind of movie. And I was like, I don't know about this, but it always won me back because the needle drops. Ah, there you go. Another <laughs> pun, I guess the needle drops were just perfect. Like you, you felt like they really like search for the, ju- the one song that is really going to make this thing come alive and mm-hmm. be operatic, but also very uh, strike it, like matching the action basically perfectly. In my opinion, it's not, it's not, baby driver level of choreography mixed with uh you know the music right. but i know what you're saying yeah. yeah it's they do definitely like this song for this action scene that what the song is talking about you know it, it goes well with it but it's not like you know it's not like a a dance you know with a car going down the highway hitting the brake whenever there's a a big bass drop or something like that you know yeah. it's not like that yeah uh, any final words? Anything else you want to get out there that we didn't get a chance to talk about in Nobody? I don't think there was a post-credit scene. I didn't stay. So. <laughs> I don't think there was. I don't think. Yeah, I didn't see one. No, I I'd didn't. say if there's a theme to the movies of this week between Nobody and The Father, it's that editing is so important. It mm-hmm. just, it makes the movie, you know? And <laughs> I mean, that's from last week too with the, the Snyder Cut. I mean, it's just, you can take all that footage and just do such wonders with it when you have an editor and a creative collaboration team that is just firing on all cylinders. And I think this is like the result of that. I, I definitely think it's, it's the kind of movie that the reason I like it as much as I do is because it has a promise it delivers and it fully delivers. And I was like, yes, this is, this is the movie that as I was going, this is what was promised. It gave it to me. It did it well. And I'm thoroughly satisfied with it. Nice. Uh, it is absolutely a recommend for me, especially if you like these, uh, this type of energy, this type of um, adrenaline kind of movie. Uh, I think you'll have a, a very good time. Um, it was interesting putting together uh, our best ever challenge this week. Uh, I just I kept being reminded of you know how fun these kinds of movies are, you know, and uh, in this movie, I think does it does it very well. So. Definitely recommend. Uh, All right, let's move into the next movie. Let's talk a little bit about The Father. Dad, I'd like you to meet Laura. How do you do, sir? I say, you're gorgeous. Thank you. (laughs) I must say, he's charming. Yeah, not always. Laura has come round to help you. I don't need her or anyone else. I can manage very well on my own. Everything all right? Who are you? Actually, it's me, Paul. Who? I live here. What is this nonsense? Anne? It's me. Ah, there she is. Your father seemed a bit confused. Something wrong? Where's Anne? Sorry? Anne, where is she? I'm here. Anthony is 80, mischievous, living defiantly alone and rejecting the careers that his daughter Anne encouragingly introduces. Yet help is also becoming a necessity for Anne. She can't make daily visits anymore, and Anthony's grip on reality is unraveling. Uh, the father stars Anthony Hopkins, uh, Oscar nominated for his performance uh, in this role. Olivia Coleman is in there, Imogen Poots, uh, Rufus uh, Sewell in there as well. Um, what did you guys think of this movie? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or was it just okay? John, why don't you start this time? High side of liked it. Okay. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. It's, it's one of those things where I got to be really careful with this movie because it is going to have an impact on people. Yeah. And so I definitely like that, but yeah, it, it, this this should come with like a content warning or something. <laughs> right? No, I'm totally with you. That. Uh Andrew? 
I am on the high side of loved it. Oh, good, good. <laughs> I, again, I need to preface by saying I am literally coming out of this movie to do this mm-hmm. uh, podcast. Like as soon as it ended, I just turned on uh, my camera, <laughs> and uh, so uh, I just want everybody to know that everything I'm about to say it's coming from a place of fresh and an emotional wave that I'm still not you know, down from. Yes, that's so. why you can see all the uh, discarded uh, Kleenexes around uh, Andrew's uh, area right hey, now. Is that a you cloud don't... above your head, Andrew? <laughs> yeah. You, don't joke, man. Yeah, don't no. Joke. No, I, I'm with you. I understand. I, however, am not just coming out of this. Uh, it's actually been a while since I've seen this. Um, probably a couple months. And I, I probably should have refreshed myself, but I decided not to. Um, and I think that'll be good because Andrew's just seen it and I'm kind of, uh, remembering back on it. And that actually plays kind of with a lot of the themes of the movies about memory and understanding. Um, but yes, I loved this movie as well. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say high side. I loved it, but I loved it. Um, I, I don't need to feel any too much need to qualify that, uh, at all. And I think for me, a lot of it comes down to, like John said about editing, uh, I think a lot of it comes down to a high level of difficulty for what this movie is trying to do, and to do it so well is really impressive. Um, this this is a movie that aims not... I have never seen an unreliable narrator story like this. Let's just put it that way. I've never seen this type of what do I believe, what do I know... Uh, I think in my early review, I said I've never been so confused and so satisfied at the same time or, or something like that. Um, but uh, this, I, it's just such a tightrope. And I, I feel like this movie really walks it well. Um, so, yeah, what are some of your general thoughts, guys? Uh, I, I'd say unreliable narrator about the mother since father, mother. Yes, <laughs> there mm. you go. Yeah. Mother! That's the movie. Yeah, it does. It has an exclamation point. So, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I'll say say this about uh, the movie. Uh, It does deal with, uh, you know, Alzheimer's and memory loss and stuff like that. So if you know anybody who has dealt with uh, those issues, especially Alzheimer's, because I think that's the biggest one, uh, it's, it's a way of looking into what the world is like from their point of view. And it is horrifying. It It is is so terrifying. Yeah. Uh, That's and. A lot of this comes down to, I have to say this, Anthony Hopkins, yes, he is famous for Hannibal Lecter, and he will always be known as, like, that it, That will be the role that defines him. But I think if you look towards the latter end of his career, this will be the movie that he will be remembered for for the latter part of his career. Because this performance, if he's not doing what he's doing in this movie, this movie doesn't land uh, uh, as emotional and as traumatic mm-hmm. as it is because he totally is delivering a performance here yeah no i totally yeah. agree that's his uh yeah. epitaph i think is the term mm-hmm. yeah potentially because i remember he in uh the west world you know i was hoping yeah. that, that wasn't going to be the final like big performance from him he's of course done other things but i just remember that it being a good performance but i was like this isn't there's nothing about this that just really feels like only he could do it but the yeah. father, I, I can't imagine anybody else, you know. Oh, it's great. In the role. Yeah. 
I think this is two years in, in a row he's been nominated for an Oscar. Wasn't uh, Two Popes last year, or was that two years ago? Uh, that was 2019, so yeah. Yeah, that would have been last year. Yeah, that would have been last year's yeah. award season. This whole this whole Oscars year has got me confused. Yeah, when no, things I totally were then. get it. Yeah. I need to say this too. But, um, yeah. I've I've never talked about this publicly, um, but you all know how I've dealt with you know my anxiety and stuff like that throughout the years. Sure. Well, uh, this new uh, regiment that I'm on, uh, one of the major side effects of it is memory loss, mm. and I have been dealing with that. Like, uh, I'll go to the grocery store, park my car, and as soon as I get out of the gr- or the car, I forget why I'm there. Mm-hmm. And I have to get back in my car and sit down for like 15 minutes to try and remember where uh, thing where why I was there. So uh, that has been very difficult, and I think it helped me empathize with uh, Anthony Hopkins' character, sure. Anthony, in this movie. Uh, so that might be why it it hit me a lot harder. Yeah. And again, like I said, I'm coming out of this fresh. Absolutely. So, no, I, yeah. I, I, we've all experienced that in one way or another, and this movie is traumatic and uh, moving by itself, let alone to either in your situation, Andrew, where you're dealing with memory loss, or in somebody's situation who is dealing with a loved one who is going through this. Like, John's not wrong when he says, you know, this should come with a whole bunch of trauma warnings because yeah. it is definitely one that is going to make you experience something that is not pleasant to experience. Um, is this a horror movie? It, it yeah. is. And I was even thinking we just had The Relic, right? Which yeah. deals in a yeah. lot of these same uh, themes in a much different way. It's much more ostensibly yeah. a horror movie. It's metaphorical to the supernatural extent. You know? Right. Yes. Whereas this is is so much more authentic and <clears throat> in yeah. being so almost feels more scary. You know, it is scarier yeah. than the actual horror movie that did the kind of the same thing. <laughs> Uh, in some ways, although that movie is more from the perspective of being the loved one who's experienced. Right. This is more from the perspective of being the one who is experiencing it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what a, what an what an interesting uh, double feature the relic and mm. uh, the father would make. So, yeah. You can also yeah. say, too, that it's like trying to mention how this can be inherited generation after generation, which you could yeah. theoretically put a criticism to it's too much, you know, about the the audience surrogate instead of the person who's going through this mm-hmm. yep. and in this movie this is like the definition of when roger ebert talked about movies creating empathy like this is this is that movie this like really helps you understand the timing of me watching this movie is it's one of those things where i'm like the universe is trying to attack me or something because like literally i watched this movie right after i got off the phone with my mom i'm talking to her for about like an hour and like my grandfather's going through this and like my mom is telling me how just horrified she is like dealing with like he, he doesn't remember where he is. He, he can't like hang on to things and like very specific things. And then I watched this movie right after and I was just like looking up at the sky. You know, like, <laughs> what, right. what, why? <laughs> I don't need. Uh, but no, it, it, it's it's I want to mention to Florian Zeller who directs this and. Uh, you know, I've never watched the, this is based on his play and like, you know, the criticism people tend to say is like, this feels too much like a play. Right. I, I kind of was feeling that a little bit with Marini's Black Bottom. Yes. I was kind of like, I wonder how this would really potentially be better if I was watching it, uh, you know, as staged, but I didn't feel that at all with this. I feel like this, this has like a, a film quality to it, very specific film quality. Not that that's better or worse compared to the, this 
stage play or anything like that, that, that whole thing. But I just love the original nature of this idea and how it can translate to a lot of different stories. And that idea being you can recast people. People can come in and out of the story and you kind of pick up as time goes, like why there's a confusion and then characters coming back and forth and keeping track of the narrative. That to me is like such an original and interesting way to handle this subject that I found a lot better than other movies that are way more straightforward and therefore can be more exhausting. Yeah. I I just, I've never experienced um, that empathy that you're talking about in this particular kind of instance. I've had grandparents go through this. Um, mom, my mom's side of the family, uh, lives very long lives. And when you live very long lives, dementia is one of those issues that you will likely deal with both my great grandmother. I've seen both my great grandmother and my grandmother go through this. Um, and so, you know, there is part of me also that, you know, wonders, how many years before I'm going through this with my mom or, you know, somebody else. And, um, it's not fun to think about. It's terrifying to think about. And I've never experienced a movie that so much put me in the headspace of somebody going through this and was able to just think, you know, my, my trauma in having a loved one go through this, how that must pale to the person who actually, uh, is going through it. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I was, I was absolutely floored, uh, with, with experiencing that. And I think that is ultimately the movie's, uh, biggest, uh, success is that it portrays that in a way that allows you the space to consider someone else's pain. Um, and, and yeah, I've, I've, I've never, I've never seen that in a movie in such a, a straightforward and clear way. So, yeah, definitely. Um, what other thoughts? Any other thoughts about this that you guys wanted to talk about? Uh, John brought it up, uh, and I know we we talked about it, but I, I have to go back to the structure of this movie. Sure. Because it's, it's confusing, obviously. It's meant to be confusing, but it also is told in a way with repetition, I guess you could say, as a, as a thematic element to where it helps you ground where you are within this story. So you're confused, but at the same time, you you feel a sense of, okay, so that's when this is going to be taking place, or that's when this will be happening in the future, potentially, you know? So it's enough for the audience to feel like we have some grasp on this nightmarish sequence that we're watching, but at the same time, it doesn't do it in a way to where you don't feel like you can empathize with Anthony. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So. Yeah. That's how I think memory works too. The way that you hold on to like certain things or certain reactions to statements to try to like bring anchor yourself. Right. There are like yeah. little moments where he's trying to like, center himself because he knows he's go- he's not stupid he, he knows that he's going through something that's challenging yeah. he knows that it's difficult for other people and he's just trying to make sense of it himself and you can see those moments where he even like tries to put it away you know it's like oh yeah yeah of course but because he knows it's easier to do that and to, to everybody's point you know a lot of these movies we've seen like still alice and supernova and they all tackle these subjects in their own different ways And I think what those movies tend to do for me is they make me think about kind of like what you were saying, Aaron. It's like, this is what I'll, you know, you know, maybe someday go through with my parents. This is the first time I've ever watched one of these movies where I thought of, 
what would it be like if I went through this? Exactly. Someday? Yeah. You know, and I've never had that experience. I've never even gone that far to be so in the shoes of the person that I'm like, this is, I, I can't imagine going through what he's going through right now. And yeah, yeah I'm just turn my cam off to go grab a box of uh, tissues real quick. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I also just saw that uh, my mom is actually watching the show today and she just popped up uh, with a comment that says, yep, valid reason for wondering about when we'll be dealing this up close, uh, impersonal. And, uh, yeah. and yeah, it's, it's, it's a real thing. And it's just, you know, um, this, this stuff is all part of humanity and life. And, you know, I mean, today, uh, as we're talking about, this doesn't have anything to do specifically with the topic other than just kind of life and death and issues. But today is the third anniversary of the day that, uh, that I died. So like, you know, there's, there's all these touch points in our lives where, you know, we go through something we didn't think we'd ever have to go through. And, um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's good to process these things. I really do. And I love a movie like this for allowing us a, a better, uh, you know, look at actually feeling something, processing something and, preparing our psychology for uh the empathy that you know you talked about and that ebert always talked about with movies so yeah yeah uh, i hope though that people don't look at it though and it's like oh is this an eat your vegetables movie you right, know i gotta watch right. it it's not like that it's no. also just entertaining and really really yes. great to watch yeah that's a good point no, i'm glad eat, you said that i'm glad chicken. you said that eat your chicken <laughs> fair enough yeah fair enough no i'm really glad you said that uh john because i do think I i'm susceptible to it too where i put off watching a movie because like oh i'm gonna feel stuff in this movie and this is a movie that's gonna just squeeze me like a washcloth and and you know it's this isn't it's not that it really is just the ability to uh, have empathy and experience. And like you said, there is an entertainment element to it as well. It's, you know, it takes you along because you love these characters and you're enjoying some of the, there's some stuff with dancing in this movie that is just really fun and really, you know, joyful. Um, and so, yes, I th I'm really glad you said that this isn't an eat your vegetable, uh, movies. Uh, this is a movie, a well-rounded meal that contains vegetables. Um, so yeah, definitely. Uh, there you go. I think that's a good place to uh, to leave the father. That is available on uh, video on uh, pay video on demand. Uh, you can uh, rent uh, the father, and I don't think I mentioned nobody is only available in theaters. I believe I don't believe that's available to stream yet. I think that's right. And drive-in theaters, it's playing. Oh, nice, theater. nice. Um, I was I was going to ask real quick though, in terms of like Oscars and stuff. Do you two think that this has like a decent chance? Because Anthony no. Hopkins is up. It's Best picture. See, no, okay. I don't he, think so. It's, he's going against Chadwick Boseman, isn't he? Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. He so. won't win. Yeah. It, 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 don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that for a posthumous reason or anything like that. I do think that. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off. Off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Chadwick Boseman probably gave the best performance, but man, Anthony is right there. This is, I think with, with Ma Rainey, you have a character who's killing his performance. He is doing such a perfect job. Whereas with the father, the movie surrounds Anthony Hopkins performance really. So it feels more integral and important to the story. Whereas Ma Rainey is he, yes, he is pegged as a, uh, a leading character, but I could also see him getting a supporting role nomination for that, you know, so. These these conversations are always interesting to me. I It, it really brings home to me that I think what I love about award season, I love award season. I, I love the ability to uh, float before people stuff they may not have seen otherwise, right? Like the, the nomination process is my favorite process of award season. Just being like, this group of amazing actors deserves your attention. This group of amazing movies mm-hmm. deserves your attention. When it gets down to, is Anthony Hopkins' performance better than Chadwick Boseman's performance? I start to go a little cross-eyed and just be like, you know, we are talking about like yeah. really subjective stuff here. You know what I mean? Like, how do you even? Well, th- compare? that's what it's a like, war season is: it's subjectivity. That's all it is. Right? There's no. It's politics. There's no right. objective way to right. look at totally. it. Totally. So. so yeah, and and I think that's the element I'll hear from other people about like award season is dumb and stupid because why are we you know comparing art? This is the point where I get that, where it's like, you know, um, but again, I love everything about it. I love the discussions. I love ranking stuff. I love all that kind of stuff. Um, But yes, the idea of comparing what Anthony Hopkins is doing here with what Chadwick Boseman is doing uh, in Ma Rainey's is just going, just watch both movies because they're both amazing in them. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do think it stands a shot, though, for film editing and adapted screenplay. I could see it winning either. Possibly, which is uh, which is and the, Coleman maybe the favorite in adapted screenplay? Is that the one that's uh, prom- promising young woman? Is that adapted screenplay or is that original? I think promising young woman's going to win a. Sp- I think I thought it was adapted, but I could be wrong about that. I think promising young woman's going to win a screenplay Oscar. I really do. Could see um, that. I'm not sure about the other one. Uh, I forget which how they divide those. Sometimes doesn't make sense to me. Uh, we'll find out. But we will find out. Uh, all right, let's move on to the best ever challenge. But before we do. A huge thank you to our amazing Sif Pop members. We love you. We appreciate you. Um, if you would like to be a member of Sif Pop and kind of find out what that's all about and all the fun stuff and the perks, uh, just check it out at Patreon. Patreon.com slash Sift Pop. Uh, it starts at $3 a month. And one of the big perks that uh, we've been talking about recently is the fact that uh, those podcasts are ad-free in your podcast uh, feed when you are a Sift Pop member. So uh, if you've been hearing some uh, ads pop up in the middle of your Sift Pop experience, that is another way we support what goes on here. Um, but if you are a member, then uh, those disappear. So you can check that out at patreon.com slash Sift Pop. And thank you to everyone who is a member and to all those who are going to check it out. Appreciate you guys. Uh, All right, let's move on to the best ever challenge. And we are doing best ever one person army movies. Um, So these are movies where one character takes on the world, basically. 
Now, this is a nebulous category. Uh, like you, you can kind of squeeze some different yeah. kinds of movies into it. Uh, we each probably have our own kind of idea of what counts and what doesn't. Um, and we can talk about that a little bit before we get into it. I would say one type of movie I discounted were more like the one-person survival movies, like Castaway or The Martian or Gravity. Sure. Like you could kind of see those as like one-person army movies, but it's really more about survival than like battling a bunch of people. Um, so that was kind of one line I drew. How did you guys find the experience of thinking about what this type of movie is? I went for something that was kind of not tonally, but an element of it is multiple people at the same time fighting as opposed to I'm going to fight one guy in this room. And then when I go into the next room, I'm going to fight another guy. You know, I wanted it to be insurmountable odds whenever, you know, you were okay. thinking about this. So I could come up with examples that would definitely fit this category that would like be in like my top five movies of all time where mm -hmm. I would be like, Oh yeah. Uh, obviously right here, it's somebody taking on the world by themselves, but uh, I, I went with something a little different than what I would normally do. Yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a nebulous too. How did you find it, John, kind of putting this together? I, I tried to quantify it by how insurmountable the odds are. Because if they're mm. like a one-person army, that, that means like the chances of them winning should feel extremely, extremely small. Yes. So I, I, root, I, I rooted out things like I wanted to say Army of Darkness, but I was like, yeah, but... Do you ever really feel like like that movie is so campy that it's sure. too much in one direction? Sure. I also left out some obvious ones too because I was like, I, I don't know. I was trying to like pick ones that are a little bit more specific to me as well. I, I'm kicking myself because you said it's like we can stretch this. It's like I could have done Five Goes West. Oh well. Um, <laughs> yeah. you but no, I certainly could I have. Picked, I picked favorites. I picked ones that I was like, obviously there are other versions of these that are way more prototypical, way more. Yes. That movie, everybody loves that movie, but I yeah. had to be, I had to be me. I gotta be me. All right, let's get into it. Uh, we will go number five to number one and we are using Trump rules. So if you have something uh, a little bit higher, you can yell out Trump and we'll talk about it then. Um, you can even just say it. You don't even have to yell it. You can just say it. I'll I mean, you guys gave me a hard time last week for yelling out Trump. So. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, let's see. I'll kick us off. And uh, with my number five, which is history of violence. Um, I, I think this is a phenomenal movie and it doesn't often come up. I, it's not one of those like that kind of has that status where people are always talking about, Hey, have you seen this movie? You know, kind of thing. Um, and very, very similar to nobody in a lot of ways. Um, but, uh, but man, there's a, there's a real authenticity, uh, to what's going on here. And I just, I think it is very violent. So just be aware of that. But, uh, but it is absolutely one of those, okay, this guy's going to go kick all the butt, and uh, and you're going to enjoy it. So, yeah, History of Violence is my number five. Yep. That's, that is I remember really the first one. time I saw it, I didn't like it. But I oh, went yeah? back to it and watched I don't know why. I just uh, I just didn't uh, connect with the character. But the second time I watched it, I'm like, okay, yeah, there's something here. It's because I think it's because it's like Eastern Promises, which is the same director, I think. Mm -hmm. um, the, it's just a... Did Cronenberg do... Eastern Promises? I don't recall. That's why I'm kind of confused. Oh. But maybe. <laughs> uh, uh, and anywho, whoever directed it, uh, that per I, I understand that it was a style, like their directing style, and I was able to, you know, 
appreciate it more the second time around, I guess. Or maybe it's just whatever, whenever you watch a movie a second time, you, you pick up on things that you didn't the first time. So, yes, David, regardless, I like the movie. David Cronenberg directed both movies. Uh, Easter Whoa, Promises. That actually, violence. that blows my mind, actually. Yeah. I'd, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I've always wanted to read the graphic novel for this one. Um, just, to, just to kind of see the, like, the changes and how different they are because they do seem like totally, a, a totally like different kind of take on the material. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, what do you got at number five? Number five, I am going to go with First Blood. Rambo. That was in my honorable mentions. Uh, yeah, uh, out of all the mo- out of all the Rambo movies, I think any of them obviously would apply here, you know. But uh, I think that First Blood is the one where I'm like, yeah, this it is it's the best out of all of them. I think you can make a an argument that the uh, Rambo two is the one where he is really, you know, just this unstoppable tornado of death, you know. But I think that. Because in the first in, in first blood, he doesn't in the movie anyway. I gotta say this in the movie, he doesn't technically kill anybody. In the book, in first blood, of the book, he kills that entire town. <laughs> he, I'm not even joking. Uh, there wasn't even a sequel to uh, the book because he dies in the book. He he dies at the end of the at the book, but uh, in the movie. He is just uh, trying to survive, but you can see that he has an empathy to where he doesn't want to kill anybody, but you know he could. And he makes that clear throughout this entire movie where he's like pinning uh, the sheriff. I forget. Man, I I love this movie so much, and I should know the characters' names. But when he pins the sheriff up against the tree, and he has his Rambo knife up to his neck, and he goes, I could have killed all of you. And it, I wouldn't have even had to try, you know. And you believe him because you realize that because of this, uh, uh, this uh, topic, he is an army of one. He could do things that nobody else in that town could yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John, what do you got at number five? For me, uh, you know, this is one that really is really specific to my cinematic upbringing because this is like one of the first times i got to see a new army of one movie without you know any sort of legacy behind it in the theater with everybody else and that was taken Mm -hmm. the 2008 Mm. film yeah it's a good one i'm just saying i I understand like it's not aged super well because the sequels kind of took the franchise in a direction that is extremely unfortunate but man that first taken is so it's just so satisfying in, and it's so iconic. The, mm-hmm. the dialogue, the it has so many like scenes and pieces of dialogue that really just get across how unstoppable this guy is. But it, it speaks to what I was saying earlier. Like it felt to me like the chances, the odds were so against this guy. Not only do you, does he have to like war off against a bunch of people, he doesn't even know who they are. He doesn't know. He has to like use clues. He has to try to make shaky alliances. He has to use all of these skills that he's collected over a period of years <laughs> in order to to make this happen. And you buy the motivation, the drive. It, it's such an efficient movie in mm-hmm. setting up why he is going to such extreme lengths. It's not just that it was his daughter, but like the fact that she's also estranged. The fact that he feels like he has something to prove. I was thinking about this movie a lot 
while watching nobody right where it's like he, he kind of is in that same sort of situation where everybody just sort of like looks at him as like man you can't even you can't do anything you know like i would have i would have stuck up for this person if you know if i was in your shoes and but this movie proves that like no he's showing mercy on all of you <laughs> and <laughs> yeah once he gets going nothing can stop him so yeah i just i love that it combines the action with also like the intrigue as mm-hmm. well like mm. that that's why it just uh that that first time I saw it in the theater, nothing like it. It's definitely in my honorable mentions, uh, for yeah. sure. Uh, worth talking about. I will find you, and I will get back that kitty cat bracelet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, honestly, I, I, John, I'm right there with you. This uh, the first time I saw Taken in the theater, uh, I was blown away. It's so good. That first one is good. The second, the second, the sequels are trash, but I think people forget how good that first one is. It's so good. It is. It really is. Uh, we can move on to our number fours. Uh, my number four, it's a, it's a bit of a stretch, but I think it works, uh, is Gladiator. Uh, I have it number four. Uh, I so thought about putting it in here. I, I think it works. I, I really do think, you know, you have a lot of the similar tropes that come with, a, a, you know, an army of one, whereas lose something and then, you know, it's vengeance fighting your way through to... Uh, to the end and through greater and greater odds. I, I do think it works. Now, this movie is more a little more epic than the typical uh, Army of One movie. It's definitely doing more than just that. Um, but uh, I do uh, think this movie is, is pretty incredible and wanted to, uh, to mention it in this genre. So, yeah. yeah. Gladiator is my number four. Good call. What do you got, Andrew? My number four is Skyfall. Mm. I had to put a James Bond one in here, and I think that Skyfall is the one to go with. Uh, this might be, besides Goldfinger, what what I consider the best James Bond movie. But I think this is a better movie than Goldfinger. I just think that 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 old Sean Connery movie really captured the essence of what those old classic Bond movies were like. You know, they were ridiculous. You know, you had this suave unscratchable guy you know whereas in skyfall you have somebody uh i think uh phil even talked about it in the chat earlier how the daniel craig bonds they're not afraid to show him get hurt and he carries those scars throughout the entire movie and that's something that you actually like to see and whenever you're considering an army of one movie because Showing that they are vulnerable adds to the intensity that you feel like, oh, they may not make it out of this okay. Like, I think Skyfall was, like, the closest I came to that going, wait, is James Bond going to be okay at the end of this one? Yeah. I think that's the closest I ever came to that thought. And I just have to say, Javier Bardem nailed it. He might be one of the best Bond villains of all time. Uh, I, I, Skyfall's good. I enjoy Skyfall. I don't know. I would consider Bond a army of one though. I mean, he works for MI6, right? Like he has people yeah, giving him gadgets. Yeah, but he's not out there with the squad. And... It's just, you could say the same thing about, uh, uh Maximus from Gladi- Gladiator. Okay. It's not just him and it's not just him in the Coliseum. He has all the other gladiators there with him. All right. I won't, yeah, I won't I, use I, my I veto. Agree. I won't use my I'd veto. Say- <laughs> I'd say Skyfall too. Like, does and I was thinking about this too, and I was trying to decide if I was going to pick Bond. It was between this and Casino Royale, and I think I went mm. with this as an honorable mention because, like, this one does actually isolate him in a very specific yeah. way. Great point. Yeah, especially no, you're right. toward the end. So, I, I, I definitely agree. yeah, yeah, I think it works. Um, what do you got, John, for your number four? 
Oh boy, I'm going with Kill Bill. Yeah. Uh, if I have to pick one, I'm going to say Volume One because obviously uh, the, the Crazy Eighty Eight sequence really <laughs> epitomizes what we're talking about. Yeah. yeah I, <laughs> I think I think why I, I wanted to choose this one because there's so I mean, there's so many of these movies, but I think what makes this one first of all I think I was trying to. Th- like look at like a different type of hero or anti-hero or even villain if you want to say that that's that can fit the bill for this as well i you know it's funny you mentioned javier bardem because i was thinking maybe you know anton sugar from uh, no country for old men and that's but, the one i was thinking about putting on this list that like that yeah. would have been my number one but i'm like you know he i don't see him really fighting a bunch of people at once right yeah it's still he still feels like a one-man army but he doesn't go against it but anyway um here this definitely has like both aspects of it where it is a bit episodic it is a bit like this villain this villain this villain but i think what epitomizes for me just how unique this one is is the action itself being so stylized and like she does get hurt she does have like a vulnerability to her it's a movie Mm -hmm. that really understands what makes her such an such a i don't want to say empathetic character i guess that's true maybe sympathetic it's like a combination of like emotional attachments you have to her you want her to succeed you also want her to get bloody revenge and all of that kind of like rolled into one and also i wanted to pick something that had a really good variety of weaponry and action uh, i did consider and maybe i shouldn't mention it yet there's another movie that does the same sort of thing i don't know if anybody picked it though and it was between this and that and so maybe i'll mention it later and i had to go with the bride because like what other movie really justifies the like revenge uh, the way this one does and that crazy 88 sequence will forever just be one of the all-time great action scenes in movie history i love the fact that uh, producer phil in the chat uh saw saw it on my face when you said it doesn't fit the bill and i was just so ready to be like do you know the amazing (laughs) pun you just made uh but uh but i decided to hold back keep it in uh all right we're on to our number threes right yep my number three is i went back and forth as to whether or not this counts and decided it does, even though there isn't a large variety of people this one-man army has to beat. Uh, it's really just one person, but it is a lot of experiences. And I went with The Revenant uh, at number three. Um, so this is one that I feel like was talked about a lot when it came out. And then just kind of his, you know, Leo got his Oscar and everybody's, you know, fine with it. And we're just kind of moving on. Um, but, uh, but man, this movie owns me. And I think a lot of the reason this movie owns me has to do with the same way that a lot of these movies we're talking about, uh, maintain their momentum and what they're doing. And it's just thing after thing after thing, um, that, uh, that this man has to conquer. Now, the reason I wasn't sure whether I was going to include it is because there are elements of it that are very much like that survival kind of one man army that I was talking about. But there is also the element of he really is trying to, um, you know, find revenge for something very near and dear to him and eventually does have to, you know, fight that out in what is an incredible uh, uh, finale uh, of this movie. So um, really dig this one. And honestly, if it's a chance just to talk more about the Revenant, uh, I will throw it out there. <laughs> so there you go. We should have a conversation about Revenant one day because I do not like the movie. But oh, I okay. Hear more about what you like about it because it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one, uh, this one has stuck with me in a lot of ways. Yeah, we should definitely have that conversation sometime. 
Uh, Andrew, what do you got into your number three? Judgment Day. Mm. Mm-hmm. I th- I th- uh, especially towards the... Again, it unlike... Uh, I don't know why I keep doing this. I did it with First Blood, and I'm doing it here. Uh, in the first uh, Terminator movie, he kills everybody. You know? He kills everybody. T2, he doesn't kill everybody, but that doesn't mean he's not a one-man army. You know, that fight scene at the end when he has the minigun and he's out the window and he's just mowing down cop cars and stuff like that. Or whenever he's walking through the lobby and he's getting shot up and then he just, you know, starts kneecapping all those SWAT guys. It's, a uh, he's, it, I don't know if it counts because he's not technically a man. He's a machine. <laughs> but, uh. But is he a person? Because that's what we yeah. went with. We went with one that's person. That's the point of the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's right? a person for sure because he made me cry at the end of that whenever they lowered him <laughs> down into the pit. So, yeah. Very nice. Yeah, good job, Arnold. I had to put... If you don't put one Arnold movie on your list of one-man armies, <laughs> then I think I think that you need to really reevaluate your list. Because <laughs> yes. he's like the king... Him or Sylvester Stallone, they're the kings yeah. of, you know, the one-man army movies. Yeah. Uh, I do have one for him in my honorable mentions. Uh, What do you got at number three, John? I have another Luc Besson-connected thing, because I mentioned Taken before. It wasn't directed by Luc Besson, but uh, he he did produce that film. And part of that is because it's technically of a piece with Leon the Professional. I had to go with this one. Sure. Uh, I love Leon so much. So, you know, I'm a different, I didn't see this when it came out. I was like five years old or something, but I did see this growing up a lot. I was so in love with this movie. I think, I think the first time I watched it, the reason was because I was such a fan of Natalie Portman because of the Star Wars movies. Right. And I was, you know, curious about her filmography. And kind of looking at this early performance from her and also just Gene Reno and Gary Oldman, who were two formative actors for me, kind of in a movie that just like understands the best things about them. Earlier, Andrew, when you were saying we were kind of clowning a little bit about the whole like alternative names for hitmen. I will say it works here, you know, because I think you referenced oh, it specifically, the, the cleaner. Yeah. Well, well yeah, because yeah, I cleaner. think he's called a cleaner. Oh, the cleaner. The yeah, from, you're right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, the custodian or whatever, you know, yeah. I, I think though th- this movie gets away with it for sure. Cause it's, you know, it's a classic it, and it's, it's been yeah. around for quite a while, but it's so rewarding. It, the, just the everyone line, you know, everyone! Uh, <laughs> absolutely perfect. And I, I haven't revisited the film in a while. Like it's been a few years, but yeah, when we were, we were, like talking about this and I was thinking about it, it, I got super pumped to, to rewatch because, uh, it's just uh, the, the final, the final like 20, 30 minutes of this movie will always stick with me. Always. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie. If I would have thought of it, I would have put it on this list. I think it's because whenever I think of Leon, the professional, don't get me wrong. That last 20, 30 minutes is astounding. It's, it's incredible. But whenever I'm thinking about this movie, it's always the relationship between, uh, Jean Renault's character and uh, Matilda, Natalie right. Portman. That's what I think of when I think of this movie, but you are 100% correct. This is a one-man army movie, and it probably should have made my uh, top five. Very nice. On to our number twos. Uh, for my number two, Andrew, I'm going to talk about one of your favorite movies of all time. Uh, so if, if you don't have it on the list, it's just because you didn't think of it as a one-person army movie, which I can understand. Uh, yeah. I'm going with Hot Fuzz uh, at number two. Uh, 
I, I think this works. I, you know, there's just that element of like the whole town is against him and, you know, he's, yeah. he's kind of, you know, like he, it gives Simon Pegg the chance to play this kind of character, right? That just always yeah. has the answer, always knows what to do um, and is in that situation. But it is also a comedy, which I love. That's kind of yeah. an element we're not seeing in a lot of these movies, you know. Uh, other than Army of Darkness, I think was mentioned as a as a possibility would have you know a lot of uh, of that uh, comedy or cheese in it as well. But um, but yeah, I know you love this one, Andrew, for good reason. It's one of my favorite movies as well, um, and I decided yeah. to stick it in the category. So there you go. You're 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 totally right because Nicholas Angel, uh, Simon Pegg's character, could technically be a one man army. He could do it all himself, but. And I'm nitpicking here. Sure. I'm not trying to dissuade you, but he has Nick Frost. He has, you know, the rest of... Uh, but does he? The... <laughs> See, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, they're there. So it's, te- right. it's technically not a one-man army, and but he could do it all himself. Right, yeah. You're 100%, and I am not invalidating this uh, yeah. pick at all. Great choice. Great choice. Uh, what, I love the movie, too. What's your, uh, what's your number two, Andrew? Uh, I don't think that people would really consider this movie a one-man army movie because it's more about the political aspect of it, but there's a lot of killing in this movie. There's a lot of killing. I'm going to go with V for Vendetta Mm, because I think V. there are plenty of scenes where V is taking on huge amounts of people by himself. You know, I I think of the the fight in the... uh, the TV studio with all the cops. And mm-hmm. then there's the scene underground in the, uh, the railway system. Uh, one of the final scenes of the movie, which I'm going to say right now is one of the coolest, uh, fight scenes ever. The, my turn with the knives and stuff. I'm going to kill you all before you reload. Uh, oh, <laughs> I love this movie so much. It is in my top. I think it's in like my top 20 movies of all time. Nice. It's, it's, it makes me cry every time I watch it. I think V is an amazing character. It's a character who you you know the minimal amount that you need to know about this character, yet still you empathize and you care about him so much. Very nice. Good choice. I was not expecting Natalie Portman to be all over. Hey, that's right. Yeah, she Why is. Not? I'm not? not I wasn't expecting no Trumps so far. I, yeah, we this. may go we may go with fifteen different answers here, depending. Uh what do you got at number mm. two? Uh I don't know. This could break it. Uh we'll see. Uh so I'm gonna say it's the obvious one. It's the one, you know, they've been waiting for. Like, of course, uh die hard. But it was my honorable mention. It was my first honorable mention. My honorable mention as well. So yeah. Hey, there we go. Okay, at least uh. one person. Look, I just rewatched this movie, and I, w- w- what can I even say? It hasn't been. Is there anything left that nobody's brought up before? You know. Did you no. know? Did you know I mean, he's barefoot in this movie? Did you know that happens? <laughs> did you know <laughs> did he's did barefoot? You know, did you know what happens during Christmas? I, I totally <laughs> in the first what? person to bring that up. Um, Hans Gruber. No, it's just it's one of the greatest action films, and I will point out that not only is are not only are the odds against him in terms of having to overcome this terrorist group, but he also has to rise against the the main villain Hans Gruber, Alan Rickman, who is just as larger than life as he is, and they make such a point to say that that is the real battle between these two men, and so I, I it's something. I'll bring up nobody. It's something that movie doesn't get. That movie does not deliver on that front. The the villain 
is nowhere near as memorable. But here, I mean, oh yeah, just, we didn't even talk did about that when we did our nobody review. You're yeah. so forgettable. Right. We didn't even talk about it in the review. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> but he we just sings Russian stuff. He karaoke's. Anyways, I'm yeah, kidding. yeah. Uh, okay, that's 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 a lot of flavor and color you mm-hmm. add to the movie, I guess. But no, Die Hard. It's the it's the quintessential yeah. action movie and also one of the best yeah. one man army movies. Agreed. Um, my obvious pick for number one is The Matrix. Uh, I I think this movie is you know what haven't we said about it? Um, but Neo is the ultimate one person army uh, in in my mind. So yeah, uh, I went with The Matrix as my number one. Honorable mentions for me. Yeah, I didn't even think about it because. I hate, I hate, I've said this with almost every single movie you've brought up, Aaron. I don't think it's a one-man army <laughs> movie because you got Morpheus, you got Trinity, you got all the supporting, you know, people. But yeah, I'm He's not literally gonna... the one, man. That's right. He this is, is literally one. his name. <laughs> but that's not until The Matrix reloaded and then Revolutions when uh, he's yes. all by himself. Yeah. And those movies we don't need to talk about. <laughs> But no, I have no qualms with you putting The Matrix on this list at all. Uh, what do you got at number one? Uh, I am going to go with, I think that this is the epitome of a one-man army in the movie aspect in the comic series. He's not a one-man army, but let's go with The Dark Knight. Hmm. Uh, I think Batman is, because he is all about enduring by himself, that he is taking this burden on alone. He has people help him, like Lucius and... Uh, Gordon and uh, Alfred, but they're not there. It's just him. I guess Gordon is a couple times, but really, this is a this is a movie about one man trying to endure the entire pain of a city and the fear of a city as as this madman tries to burn everything to the ground. So, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know what kind of like with Die Hard. I don't know what hasn't been said about uh, the Dark Knight um, that people consider Heath Ledger the greatest Joker of all time. Good for them. Um, yeah, it's 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 what it is. It's great, great, great. One of the greatest movies of all time. Top 10. I would have, I, this is so, in the, I, this is why I started the, with the category with how subjective and interesting this category is. I would have never thought of Batman as a one-person army, um, but I totally get it. I get what you're saying. I get yeah. why you, you put it in there in the same way that you get why I put mine in there. Like, it's just, it's such an yeah. interesting category uh, for that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, John, what did you have at, uh, at number one? Okay, and we, we did it. We didn't have any, any overlap. Nice! I love it. Uh, I'm going to go with my favorite Western of all time and one of uh, one of my all time favorite movies, too, I would say for sure. Uh, obviously, in this conversation, where I brought up some, such great movies, but I'm going to go with High Noon. Yeah. Oh, man, this movie just the absolute like th- this is the this is the one that if I have to like go back in time and be like, what what is the movie that really fully brings this idea. It's not the first movie to do this, right? The one man army thing. Oh, but for me, it's, it's like the first one that like sets the stakes the way that it does. And it just gets like these characters into a place where you feel like any moment, this guy's just not going to win. The odds are way too stacked against him. It's not magnificent seven. It's not even Seven Samurai. It's not this whole, like, we got to help everybody. We got to get the whole gang together. Everybody ditches this guy. And he's just on his own. And he has to, you know, find some 
conceivable way. He's there's nothing special about him. There's nothing. He's you know he everyone around him. You know, uh, Amy is a pacifist and trying to convince him not to do any of this. But he's like, I got to do it. It's my duty. I got to look out for these people. Uh, and that's why I picked this over something like the Dirty Harry movies. Because as much as I like those movies, I don't know, they don't have that same like emotional undercurrent of like the guy who's doing this reluctantly and you don't, you feel like for good reason he's doing this reluctantly. He's probably going to lose everything in this, in this fight. So yeah, love High Noon. I've got, I got to see it in theater once uh, at the, it was like a classic thing and uh, it, it's such a big screen movie in every way. Nice. It's on my list of shame. Um, I'm planning on watching it soon. Mm. So, um, but I haven't seen it. Uh, There's another Western on your list of shame you need to watch first. (laughs) Thanks. I am very light on the Westerns. This this is true. This is true. Uh, You you mentioned Dirty Harry. I definitely had that in honorable mentions as one that uh, definitely needed mentioned uh, in this category. Oh, yeah. Uh, I got a lot of honorable mentions, like, but I, I only have five that I'm going to talk about because, like you said, the, the spectrum of this, you could list yeah, pretty you much could, every movie ever made. Yeah. I, I yeah. think it's, I think one thing I need to say right off the bat is I'm surprised none of us had a Denzel movie uh, in our top five. You know, he, he kind of has that energy about him. Man on Fire is probably the that's, one I would choose. That was literally what I was just about to, that's, that was my that's first. That's my honorable mention. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Man on Fire. Uh, also thought of Book uh, of also Eli. throw out Iron Man, the first Iron Man movie. Okay, because whenever he's taking on that entire, uh, they're I guess they're not Taliban, uh, whatever they are, the the Ten Rings, uh, whenever it, whenever he's in the Middle East. Uh, yeah, yeah. John Wick. We we have to you know we've been talking about him so much that yeah yeah John Wick, and then uh, the Raid movies. I think the Raid movies where Ico is just. This unstoppable, and he's getting hurt. He's getting hurt a lot more in the second movie. He's getting the crap kicked out of him, as opposed to the first movie. Uh, but the raid movies are some of the best fighting movies of all time. Yeah, uh, John, what did you have in your honorable mention? Any others that you wanted to throw out there? Actually, I think I think we might have covered them all because I had. I did. I had Matrix. I had Men on Fire, uh, Book of Eli, the other Denzel one. I was thinking about. Yeah, true. And I, I had John Wick for sure. I think. I think that's basically everything. I didn't pick a ton. I. Um, I think. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to mention the Bourne movies. I mean, you could certainly kind of see Bourne as, uh, you know, one person army. Bourne Ultimatum is probably my favorite Bourne movie, so I'd probably pick that one easily. Um, easily. Uh, Pitch Black. Uh, I think falls in this category. Riddick. Oh yeah, I was thinking. Oh, about Riddick the is one. definitely a one-man army. Yeah. yeah. Um, Enter the Dragon. I think is worth uh, worth mentioning here. Uh, Alien uh, could be seen that way. Um, yeah. Ripley is definitely a one-man army, one-person army. I mentioned Home Alone earlier. I think is a really fun in, uh, in, insert <laughs> into this category. Um, uh. And then I enjoyed Jack Reacher, and I think the first Jack Reacher kind of has this feel to it as well. Uh, and then oh, the first one, yeah, the first it, one was good, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, and then Atomic Blonde is another one I really, really love that that feels like this too. Mm. So I wanted to throw that out there as well. So there you go. I wonder if I could put Mad Max Fury Road in this. Be- not for Mad Max, more Furiosa. Right. I think that she would kind of. Well, the original. Qualify. I mean, the original Mad yeah. Max would definitely qualify. I think. Oh um, yes, Underdome so. for sure. But yeah. I'm talking about. 
great, great movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I hear Don't you. get me wrong. I, I think there's a nostalgia element to the original Mad Max with Mel Gibson that you that you kind of love, but I think that from a from a stylistic and actual perspective standpoint, Fury Road is leagues beyond whatever. Yeah. Or I should say Miles, it's if you could put however much guzzling you. you could put beyond <laughs> better than those original ones. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on to the buried treasure. What's that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to make sure people know about? Andrew, you're going to start us off. Am I? Okay. You are. What do you got? Well, uh, I got a Vigima game for Ooh, everybody nice. on the PC. Uh, content warning, it is very violent and gory, so if that's not up your alley, then don't play it. Same with a first-person shooter. The game is called Hunt Showdown. Okay. I think I said hut. It should have been hunt. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Uh, pretty much what the game is is you hunt monsters. You you're in a party of three. It's a it's a online game, so you're playing with multiple people, and uh, you're split into squads of three. So everybody's trying to kill the monster, like the big bad monster for the level. And then once the monster's dead, you got to make sure you kill the other team. So there's a PvP as well as a PVE element to the game that is really fun. Again, it's very gory. There are zombies. There are like grotesque, like uh, Cronenberg monsters. I know we talked about Cronenberg earlier. Uh, it's a whole bunch of Cronenberg world monsters that uh, you have to take out. And uh, it's like a Western horror sci-fi game. It's fun. Nice. Hunt Showdown. Uh, is it yep. exclusive to any particular platform? Is it just PC or can you I, also get it um, elsewhere? You can. Pre- I know you can get it on Xbox. I think you can get it on PlayStation, but I'm playing it right now off of Steam. Okay, so. fair enough. Yep. Uh, my buried treasure is a show that just started on uh, Disney Plus. That's not Marvel. Uh, I checked out the first episode of Mighty Ducks Game Changers, and was not expecting a lot out of it, and got just a little bit more than not a lot out of it. Um, this isn't a great <laughs> show, but I had a lo- I had some real fun with this, and I don't think it was all nostalgia. I really don't. I was just about I, to ask. I, I, I think a good portion of it probably is for me. I did enjoy those original movies. Um, but I think there is... What, I've, what I'm loving about it, it is so very crystal clear about uh, the joy that has been taking out, taken out of youth sports because of how... Uh, in depth and professionalized they've become and the fact that it's you know practice every night on weekends camps all summer long it's not about love of the game it's about you know excelling and getting into you know good college and playing pro and all that stuff um, as opposed to just playing for the fun of the game and even in just one episode the show really hits that message really well Um, and you know, Gordon Bombay is back, and he's fun. He has a couple really great, funny lines in this uh, in this first episode. I like the characters. I like the kids, and I think that's important in a movie like this. Like, I'm, I'm really enjoying uh, enjoying them. So, you are not you're not getting like uh, super polished, top notch stuff here. But what you are getting is, I think, good content. So, I guess you know, take that for what it's worth. But I had a really good time with it, and it's just one it is- episode. So. Is Emilio so far the only recurring character, or is like the original? You know, kids grown up. I I think so. However, I wasn't. There may have been a coach of another team that was from the original movies, but I I know who you're talking about. No, that guy's from Letterkenny. Okay, the show Letterkenny. Uh, okay, so I wasn't I wasn't a hundred percent sure, but um, 
but yes, I'm I'm enjoying it. And I forget the I sh- I should have looked it up the the cast up, but the main mom in the movie I really like her. She's also in uh, oh, yeah, Z- the Gilmore Girls. Uh, Lauren, Con- yeah, what's her name? Conrad. Lauren yeah, I think you're right. Something? I think you're right. Most recently, I've seen her in Zoe's uh, Extraordinary Playlist uh, as yeah. well, um, and she's really good here. And so Lauren Graham. Yes, that's right. Lauren Graham. Lauren Graham. Uh, so yeah. Anyhow, Mighty Ducks Game Changers. Check it out. You might like it. I I might check it out. I I I like I like this whole like Cobra Kai thing. People yes. are trying to do with yeah. this stuff. You know, like do it's it's more than the nostalgia, like you said. They're they're trying to add like new content or like reimagine the the story mm-hmm. of the original. I'm not like super nostalgic with Mighty Ducks, but I like Emilio Estevez a lot. So it's kind of kind of cool that he's in something. So yeah, I pick this and up. he's really fun in this. Really fun in it. Uh, what do you got, There's John? There's a couple. Okay, I got something that's closer to the gory violence of uh, of uh, Andrews for sure. Um, <laughs> so, and, and you know what? In any other, I feel like in any other context, this would not be buried treasure. I feel like people would be talking about this, but because of the Snyder Cut and Falcon and Winter Soldier and all this other stuff that's been coming out lately, this kind of is. I don't. I don't see a lot of people talking about Invincible the new Amazon Prime video series. Right. Uh, the first three episodes just came out. Critics are talking about it, but they did this thing where they sent us screeners like a month and a half ago. Yeah. So a lot of people already saw the first three episodes and those people aren't talking about it because they already watched it and they forgot. <laughs> um, I rewatched it because I really, really like this show. Uh, Invincible, if if you're not aware, it's, it's based on the comic book series by Robert Kirkman. That's Walking Dead Robert Kirkman who uh, did this comic back in 2003. It ended, I don't remember when it ended, not that long ago, I don't think. But this is the animated version of it, and it's basically they're taking something kind of like Young Justice with a little bit of Spider-Man and making it... honestly, for lack of a better comparison, the boys from Amazon, where it's about kind of how messed up being a superhero actually would be taken to its logical extremes. It, the voice cast, though, is one of the main hooks. So you can you can see there that that's uh, so the main character is voiced by Stephen Yun, um, of course, also from Walking Dead, who is just like killing it uh, right now as an actor with Minari and Burning and all these roles that he's getting. Uh, but his dad is this like Superman character voiced by J.K. Simmons. So you know Sandra oh, Oh is the mother. <laughs> Um, let me let me just I won't tell you who they are, but like some of the, some of these voices include uh, Lauren Cohan, um, Lenny James, Zachary Quinto, Gillian Jacobs, Jason Manzukis, Greg Griffin, Mark Hamill, Walton Goggins, Seth Rogen, Zazie Beats, Clancy Brown, Mark or I said Mark Hamill, Mai Whitman, Max Burkholder, Mahersha Ali, Ezra Miller, Nicole Byer, Jonathan Groff, John Hamm, Jamon Hansu, Reginald Vell Johnson, and that's not even the full list. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's you're you're, you're clearly just reading the Wikipedia of famous actors. <laughs> this is clearly right. not yeah, a cast. That's insane. That's insane. <laughs> and, the best and a lot thing of about those it, people are are infamous for being known, I guess, as like heroes in their own right. You said you talk about Mark Hamill. I mean, he's Luke yes. Skywalker, and then I don't. I could go through the list, but I won't. Yeah. A lot of people on that list just got me excited. Oh, my goodness. And it, it really pays off. So the first three episodes are in Amazon Prime video right now. It's okay. Again, it's violent. It is gory. It doesn't start that way. And there is a twist in the first episode that is one of my favorite WTF moments in TV shows so far in 2021. It's fantastic. And I was just mm. like, yes, I'm hooked immediately. So yeah. I hope uh, I hope people check it out for sure. 
There you go. Very nice. We did it, guys. We did a podcast. Yeah, we did. Woo! It, uh, it actually happened. Dreams do come true. Thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Thank you, buddy. Huge thanks to producer Phil for producing both the audio and video show. Thank you, Phil. And thanks to Drew for putting together the graphics for the show. Big clap. And thank Sorry, you to John Negroni for hanging out with us again. John, where would you like people to, to check you out? Uh, I follow you on Twitter. It's always a good Twitter follow. Yeah. Um, Cinemaholics, got the podcast. Where, you know, where do you want to send people to? Those are the two main places. Yeah, just Twitter Twitter it up. Uh, you'll find me uh, at John Negroni. And yeah, if you want to check out my podcast that I do with Will Ashton um, on top of talking about movies, because that's what we love. We also do comedy sketches and other fun, silly stuff that you might enjoy. So yeah, cinemaholics.com is where you can find that. Very nice. Well, we appreciate you uh, coming on again today and having a good conversation. Appreciate you being here. Uh, also, if you want to uh, be a Sif Pop member, you can do that at Patreon. Patreon.com slash Pop. Lots of fun ways to connect with the podcast as well. You can uh, leave a comment, rate it, review it, wherever you listen. Um, or you can email us, feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too, so make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than finding a lost kitty cat bracelet. Uh, we will see you next week with Godzilla versus Kong, uh, for real Again. this time. Uh, and then also maybe Bad Trip on Netflix. I haven't fully decided what that second movie will be, but, uh, but we'll definitely be talking about something next week. And we'll see you then. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.